It is Thursday, December 23rd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 16 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Small. And Jared, of course, we have got COVID issues all over the place to go through this week. That's going to be really most of it, is figuring out who's out, who we have to wait and see if they might be back in. Who are the fill-ins? You know, it is Week 16. It's semifinals week for most fantasy leagues. So I'm going to start out by saying don't reach too far for plays. I, I would like to think most of us have a pretty good idea of who we are playing at this point in the season, but you know, the COVID stuff on top of the injuries does make it a little bit tougher to navigate than usual. Yeah. And, and we said this last week, I'll, I'll say it again. You know, guys we know are playing tonight have more value than usual. Like, you know, Dante Foreman, I'm starting in a, in a few spots where I might not just because like he's playing tonight and, you know, we can count on him to, get the ball. Um, th- this is also the first like full week under the new protocol. So we'll, we'll see if some of these guys that, you know, test tested positive early in the week, you know, Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill, you know, they went on the list Monday and Tuesday. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if, you know, it seems like they have a better chance to come off now under the, under the new protocols. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have an insurance option, you can wait for guys over the weekend and see if they're back, unless we've heard that they're out by now, which there are certainly mm-hmm. some players that we've heard that about, Otherwise, I mean, if it's, you know, I have to start this guy tonight or this guy Sunday. And if the guy Sunday doesn't go, then I'm screwed. You got to go ahead and start the guy tonight. Jeff Wilson Jr. I think is another one who comes to mind. Not an awesome play, but certainly in the bottom of starter territory. And, you know, if it's close between him and somebody else, I think you probably go ahead and roll with him. Yeah, for sure. So let's start out with that San Francisco at Tennessee game on Thursday night. The Niners are three point favorites over under 44. We do not have Elijah Mitchell for this game. So, Jeff Wilson Jr. is at least set to lead the backfield again. Uh, Last week showed us that we can feel confident in trusting him to lead that backfield. Still just 24th in our PPR rankings, though, as I kind of alluded to. And one factor here is that Debo Samuel is a clear Mm -hmm. stealer of valuable carries. Not only is he remaining um, involved and heavily and fairly heavily involved in the run game, He's taking red zone carries away, nine carries inside the 20 over the past five games, six from inside the 10 over that range. In the three games that we've seen Jeff Wilson as the lead running back for the Niners so far, he has six red zone carries, four inside the 10. Debo in those games has four red zone carries, two inside the 10. So that's taking some value away. And it feels like Debo scores every you know third carry, which which hurts Jeff Wilson. But uh, yeah, I mean, so w- Wilson is 19, 13, and 21 carries in his three starts this season. Just four total targets in those games. So that's kind of what hurts. This is an interesting match here against Tennessee. Tennessee's second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But that's largely because they're 31st in situation neutral run rate against. Teams tend to lean on the pass against Tennessee. I don't think San Francisco is going to do that. I mean, they might lean a bit more towards the pass, but you know, they're still a run based offense. Um, Tennessee's only 17th in football outsiders run defense DBOA. So I, I do think it's, you know, more of a neutral matchup for Wilson. Um, yeah. I mean, you said low end RB two. I think that, I think that's right for him. The defense though has played well against the run lately. Two of the Titans, three best run D performances by DVOA have come the past two weeks. One of those against Jacksonville, which, which you can kind of wave off, which with the way they've played, most of the year, plus it was a 20 to nothing game. The other is against Pittsburgh. And I mean, they don't run the ball awesome, but you know, Najee Harris yeah. is pretty good. So 
it's not a watch out matchup, but it's also not a capitalized matchup. So that's certainly factoring into how we value Jeff Wilson. Yep, that's fair. And for Debo Samuel, the rushing production's nice when you get it. It's more encouraging to me that he reached five targets last week for the first time since week 10, because if he isn't scoring a touchdown every game, and at some point he's not going to score on the ground, I think, if he doesn't get that touchdown, then it's a very different fantasy look to him. Like, for example, if you go to our projections right now for week 16, if you zero out the touchdown projection for Debo Samuel and we have him at 0.3 touchdowns, zero that out, he falls behind Brandon Ayuk in the PPR rankings mm-hmm. at wide up. Yeah, flimsy for sure. Um, but as you said, the five targets for Debo last week, a 22% target share. Also ran her out on 92% of the passwords. I think he was at like 80%. Uh, the previous week. But I mean, if, if you have a wide receiver running around on almost every pass play and getting a handful of carries, like, you know, that, that's, that's still a guy I want to start. I know I get the floor isn't, you know, he doesn't have a, you know, wide receiver one level floor, uh, but the upside's huge as we saw. And again, it's, it's just a valuable role that he's playing right now. Yeah. I would love if they would actually go back to using him as a wide receiver. Cause that was working out pretty well early in the season, <laughs> but I think that the whole San Francisco passing game is, is solid to good as yeah. a play tonight against Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's 27th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. So, you know, Garoppolo is, you know, in the borderline quarterback one mix. And Tennessee's 31st in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So I, I think Brandon Ayuk is also a, a pretty solid play tonight in this matchup. The biggest question here might be whether on the other side, Tennessee is able to actually start scoring points again and picking up yeah. yards and making this the kind of game where you need to score points. So, the key factor in that is we have to wait and see whether AJ Brown's going to be back. It sounds like he's supposed to. Ian Rappaport has reported that Brown is expected to play. Mm-hmm. As of right now, though, AJ Brown is not on the active roster. I probably have to do that by 4 p.m. Eastern today. So we'll watch to make sure that we get confirmation AJ Brown's playing. Jared, even if he is playing, he's definitely not a must start for me. Sitting kind of mid wide receiver three mm-hmm. range in our rankings right now. I think that's a fair level. It is. Yeah. So to me, that level says like, if you, if you, if you're loaded at wide receiver, uh, if you have, you know, two or three guys that you feel good about, you're not starting AJ Brown. But if you've been kind of searching for that wide receiver three all season, Brown, Brown has more upside than anyone near him in the rankings. And it's another case where like, you know, if, if he's activated, if he plays tonight, you know, we know he's playing. So there's some value in that too. So that's where I think, um, again, if you're not stacked at the position and you, you know, been sitting on AJ Brown, I, I have no issues using him tonight. So I do think the upside is big. His, his injury was, it was a chest injury. Um, so he wasn't like soft tissue. He wasn't a knee or an ankle. So I don't think there's too much risk of, you know, a setback tonight. And, you know, he, he, he only missed three games. There's still, you know, plenty of target upside here. Julio Jones is going to play in this game, which I can't believe, but, you know, if, if Brown's healthy, you know, he, he, I think he'll dominate targets tonight. Yeah, and no thanks for me on Julio Jones. He no. no practice Monday or Tuesday, full practice Wednesday, and as you said, no injury status for the game. So he's playing. Um, I'm certainly not trusting him after he left last yeah. week's game early with that hamstring injury, though. Yeah, no no chance I do Julio tonight. A.J. Brown, the guys behind him in the rankings, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Darnell Mooney, I'm totally fine with going ahead and playing A.J. Brown ahead of those guys. He's tied in our PPR rankings right now with Amon Ross St. Brown. I'd have a tough time playing AJ Brown over a guy who's seen 11 plus targets in three straight games. Yeah. Someone just asked me that on Twitter, actually, that, you know, those two guys, um, I, I said I'd lean AJ Brown again, just cause we know he's, you know, it, again, if he's a- activated, you know, we know he's playing the, the other thing, we'll, we'll get to the lions too, but um, that it could be Tim Boyle at quarterback and, you know, who, who knows what that means for Amon Ra. 
Yeah, that's fair. So I think that it's a, that's a spot where I can see going ahead with AJ Brown. Devonte Parker is the other guy that's slightly behind him. I think I'd favor Parker again. You kind of have to wonder mm-hmm. about the, uh, the the COVID situations and the the possibility that he's out by the time we get there. Yep. But I don't. I'm not scared about the mm-hmm. matchup for Devonte Parker, and he's been reliable enough where I'd feel pretty good about using him. Yeah, Parker's got to make it all the way uh, to Monday. That seems like you know years away in this in this climate. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd have no issue using Parker over AJ Brown. And you mentioned Dante Foreman, uh, a solid bet for carry volume here, a good bet for non-PPR lineups. Neutral matchup, though, and really kind of neutral as an option overall. He's touchdown reliant. Titans are just below the middle of the league and implied point total this week, and they have not scored very much lately. 13, 13, 20, and 13 in the past four games, which started with the game that A.J. Brown left early. Yeah, I'm definitely not excited to use Foreman tonight. Um, As you said, neutral matchup. Tennessee's missing the left side of their O-line tonight. Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold are out. That doesn't help. And, and you know, last week, you know, Tennessee was in a close game. They, they used all three of these backs. You know, Dante Foreman, 39% of the snaps, but Dontre Hilliard was at 36. Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols at 29%. Uh, Hilliard and McNichols ran more pass routes than Dante Foreman. Foreman led the way in carries pretty easily, 22 to 15 combined for the other two guys. Um, but, you know, he also only saw three of the nine running back targets. It's a three man running back committee. Foreman's the leader. You know, he's, he's the best bet. The other two guys are going to be involved tonight. And certainly a shot that they fall behind in this matchup where they're three point underdogs. So Foreman's a, a solid option, but far from the must play that you might think he is coming off a hundred yard game. Yep. For sure. Cleveland at green Bay on Saturday at four 30 Eastern. So make sure you don't lose sight of that on Christmas day. If you're celebrating Packers <laughs> by seven and a half in that game over under 45, Jared, we're assuming that Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry will make it off the COVID list for this game. We'll obviously have to watch for confirmation there really though. I'm not especially interested in either player, even if they do make it back for this one, the Packers pasty to be fair, was it was up for a stretch it's actually been down three of the past four games and was especially generous to the bears and ravens the past two weeks yeah i'm with you there not super interested in any part of this passing game austin hooper did come off the covid list um i can't keep track anymore either either wednesday or tuesday um so he'll be back for this one as you said we're still waiting for baker and landry to come off the list but yeah i mean just it's gonna it's gonna be a game where they lean on nick chubb um he's kind of the only cleveland brown i'd be super interested in starting in fantasy this week yeah, same for me. On the Packers side, um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling hit the COVID list this week, so he doesn't look like he's going to be playing this game. We did see Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams already land on the COVID list back in October. Adams had COVID, so no risk there. But Lazard landed on the list without ever testing positive. He was just unvaccinated, so he was out for that game. So I think it was Monday that MVS landed on the list. We haven't had anything with Lazard so far, so maybe he's good to go, but, you know, something to watch. I think there's upside for Lazard with no MVS in this game, but I also wouldn't overreach for him. He's got one game of more than two catches among his past five and just two games all year with more than three receptions. Yeah, someone who needed Lazard for DFS last week, um, man, he 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 should have scored twice. You know, Rodgers Rogers missed him twice. I mean, Lazard could have made the catches, but they, they were both t- – tough plays that, you know, should have been easy touchdowns if Rodgers had hit him. Um, Lazard's averaging 5.7 targets over his last three games. He's 32nd in expected fantasy points over that span. And if you expect those to get a bump, if MVS is out, I do think Lazard's in play as a wide receiver three. Again, I, I, you know, I wouldn't rank him any higher than that. Um, but I, I do think he's, he's an option if he's going to be, you know, Aaron Rodgers number, number two option in the passing game. Who would you play between Alan Lazard and Amon Ross St. Brown? If Jared Goff is a no-go this weekend. <sighs> 
I'd probably still lean St. Brown in full PPR. In non PPR, I would go Lazard. I think I think he's a better touchdown. But I agree with that. Aaron Jones, thirteen carries against the Ravens last week, his most since week eight. So you like that? Easily led AJ Dillon seven in that mm-hmm. category. So Aaron Jones still sharing some with AJ Dillon, but he's a little bit more comfy as a play this week than he was last week. Yeah, he separated a bit as far as usage goes. Uh, Jones played 63% of the snaps for 37% for A.J. Dillon. The routes were 49% for Aaron Jones versus 33 for A.J. Dillon. Jones saw two targets to Dillon's one. So, you know, if we're getting something like a you know two-to-one split going forward, um, it's going to make Jones easier to trust and sort of knocks Dillon back into, you know, running back three flex territory. And it certainly can't hurt Aaron Jones's receiving to have MVS out for this game. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not like they're the same guy in terms of routes they run, yep. but – more targets around and Aaron Jones has scored on a catch in two straight games. So as long as he keeps doing that every week, as long as he's my running back version of Debo Samuel, I'll take that. And not <laughs> complain. There you go. Aaron Rodgers number two in our QB rankings this week. I, I, the way that he's playing and producing right now, Jared, I think that we're going to see a rash of quarterbacks wanting to break a toe. <laughs> it's crazy, right? I mean, that's a literally been, he was very underwhelming for fantasy before that happened. Now he's, he's gone, Quarterback two, quarterback two, quarterback three, quarterback four, his last four games. So he's he's been awesome. Like no, no quarterback's playing better than Rodgers right now. Jokes aside, I mean, maybe dealing with that injury is kind of forcing him to focus even a little further. Maybe it's subconscious or whatever, but you know, sometimes if you have something impeding you, it just makes you focus in a little bit harder to make sure that you can do the best that you can. Yeah, maybe you know, stay within the confines of the offense a bit more. I think, you know, that's sort of been a sticking point between Rodgers and, and LaFleur. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it has helped him. Indianapolis at Arizona on Saturday night. I'm sure everybody's family will be happy to have Colts and Cardinals on TV instead of It's a Wonderful Life. Colts by one here, over under 49 and a half. And, I mean, it, it kind of it tells you something about the way the Cardinals are going right now, that they're at home, still vying for the best record in the conference, and yet they're one-point underdogs to Indy in this game. I'm super, I mean, I, I think you know Vegas or whoever's betting on these games is, is, has been showing the Colts a lot of respect too because they, they ended up as favorites over the Patriots last week. You know, obviously ended up being a good call. Um, I, I do think the Colts are, you know, as we get into, uh, you know, playoff fantasy talk, I do think the Colts are, are live to make a run through the AFC. Um, I, I think on the Colts side of the ball, it's pretty easy here. You know, they are a run first offense and teams are running against the Cardinals at the fourth highest rate in the NFL, you know, Arizona is a solid run defense, but they're tougher against the pass. So I, I think it's going to be, you know, as much Jonathan Taylor as, you know, as Jonathan Taylor can handle on Saturday night. Yeah, I agree with that. That said, I think Michael Pittman is a better bet than he might seem. If you just look at recent numbers, because the games against new England and Buffalo have really been his only two truly poor fantasy outings among the past eight. And I mean, those were matchups that were predictably tough heading in that was compounded by the Colts winning each of those games by double digit points. So we got limited passing volume, you know, it's a limited volume situation to begin with, but even mm-hmm. if you include those two games over those past eight that I mentioned for Michael Pittman, he's averaging 4.6 receptions, 60.8 yards and half a touchdown per game in that span. So I feel pretty good about Michael Pittman in wide receiver two range this week. Yeah, I, I, he's a borderline wide receiver too. To me, you know, you're kind of you're, you're hoping the Colts fall behind if you're starting Pittman to you know boost their passing volume. The, the Cardinals' pass defense is just overachieved all season. Like if you look at their personnel, um, you know, Football Outsiders has them third in coverage against number one wide receivers. Um, so it's not, not a great spot for Pittman, but he, he is still the clear you know focal point of that passing game. So he's he's okay. 
Yeah. What I mean by feeling good about him is that I'm not <laughs> reaching for something else to play over him and getting worried about last week. I think he's a solid sure. play if he's your guy yep. in that spot. I mean, um, Wentz missed him for a big play and like one of the first plays of that game. Like he's he'll he'll be fine if Wentz plays a little better than he did in that Patriots game. And he got ejected from that game, didn't he, Michael Pittman? Yeah. He did, yeah. So there you go. We might have gotten even more volume before the end of it. Anything else from the Colts side of that one? No. On the Arizona side, Christian Kirk was the guy last week in the wake of the DeAndre Hopkins injury, but the individual matchup for him is less favorable this week. He gets slot corner Kenny Moore, who's the best cover guy for the Colts, allowing just a 78.6 passer rating when targeted this season. Both the outside starters, Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Sin, are over 90 in that category. Better spot for A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green has the higher ceiling this week. That might be true. You know, if, I, if I'm picking between them and I can only start one, I'm still going Christian Kirk. Um, I just think he's the, the better player at this point in their careers. Uh, I do think he's best in the slot. And, you know, th- this wide receiver group went as we thought it would last week where, you know, Rondell Moore's role did not change. They basically put Antoine Wesley in uh, DeAndre Hopkins spot on the outside. AJ Green is the other outside wide receiver. Christian Kirk played 83% of his snaps in the slot. And I, I, I think that's where Christian Kirk is best. So, you know, ma- the, the matchup, you downgrade Kirk a little bit, you upgrade AJ Green. You know, they're both in, you know, higher end wide receiver three territory for us. Um, I, I think they're both decent plays. They, I, and they, they both have plenty of upside if this offense, you know, kind of breaks out of its funk on Saturday night. Especially with Rondell Moore looking like he'll be out with an ankle injury. And Antoine Wesley is also limited with an ankle issue. Mm-hmm. So that can only help the upside, I think, for both players. Andy Isabella. <laughs> That guy doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Zach Ertz also limited Tuesday and Wednesday with a hamstring injury. So we'll have to watch to make sure he's yeah. going to be okay. Fortunately, we should get uh, injury designations for these guys before Thursday's over since it's a Saturday game. So we'll see. Another injury to watch is James Conner, who has yet to practice as we speak because of a heel injury. So we'll have to see about him. Yeah, that's a new injury for Connor. It was it was the ankle that had him questionable heading into last week's game. Um, and he only got in one limited practice last week before playing. So we'll see. Ertz is the guy I'm excited about in this passing game. Um, you know, he had 11 targets last week, a 22% target share. And, th- you know, this this Colts play that matchup has been good all season. We saw Hunter Henry take advantage of it last week. So Ertz is the guy um, I'm excited about. If you're playing the Saturday DFS slate, I like him. In the backfield last week, James Conner kind of remained ahead of Chase Edmonds. You know, it was a committee, but Conner was the lead guy. So um, if his heel injury checks out, he's the better play among these two running backs. I, I do think Edmonds is still an option in you know, RB3 territory. For what it's worth on Zach Ertz, it is worth remembering that the Colts coaching staff came from Philadelphia, where Frank Reich was the OC for Ertz. So he probably knows Zach Ertz, and they don't have as many guys to worry about as usual. So I, you know, it, maybe it's one of those, like, I know how to defend this guy, but I, when you look at the matchups and you look at what's here, I, I agree that Zach Ertz looks like a pretty good fantasy play this week. Just talking maybe like DFS ceiling, maybe it's lower than it might seem. Okay. Fair. fair. <laughs> Baltimore at Cincinnati to kick off the Sunday action Bengals by two and a half to three points, depending on where you look over under 45 and a half in most places. That strikes me as a little bit low. Last week's Bengals-Broncos game went under the 44, but it's just the third Bengals game all year to go under 45. The first two were way back in weeks two and three, and before Mm. the Denver game last week, their totals, their game totals were 49, 63, 51. The Ravens, of course, um, helped with the Packers to score 61 points last week, 46 the week before that. So we've seen some recent Baltimore offensive struggles, I think, overall. Mm -hmm. And looking at the whole slate of games this week, this could be one where we get more points than expected. 
Yeah, I I like this game, especially the Bengals side, which we'll get into here. Um, if I'm playing devil's advocate and one reason this game might disappoint, these teams are second slowest and third slowest in situation neutral pace. So they're they're two slow paced offenses, which you know obviously obviously could lower the the play volume on both sides. And maybe Lamar Jackson returning would lower the score for the Baltimore side. Maybe that's part of it because the previous four games before the two that I mentioned for them, 39, 26, 29, 32 were the game total. So we'll see. And that's kind of the first question here is will Lamar Jackson play? We don't know yet because Thursday it was Tyler Huntley talking to the media. So it's, it's, it's up in the air at this point. And Jared, I'm not sure for fantasy purposes, how much difference it makes between them right now. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I own Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley in a league where I'm in the semis, and I'm kind of hoping it's just Huntley. And I mean, <laughs> it sounds crazy to say, but I just I don't know if Lamar is going to run like he normally does with that ankle injury. And, and I do think he's going to push the play. Like, this is such a massive game for Baltimore. But I don't, it, so it's a bone bruise to his ankle. Um, Dr. Chow on Monday said he thinks it's unlikely Jackson plays. And, you know, he doesn't have any you know, specific knowledge of Lamar's situation. It's just, you know, based on that injury, um, he doesn't think it's likely that Lamar plays. So we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll know by Sunday. I mean, and, and I do, th- I think Huntley is a, you know, borderline quarterback one. If he ends up playing this game, I mean, he's been decent as a passer, but I mean, we saw it last week, he, he can run, um, you know, maybe not to the, le- the level of Lamar Jackson, but you know, Huntley is like a top five quarterback runner um, when he's in there, Se- 73 yards and two touchdowns last week, 45 yards and 40 yards in his other two games this season. I'll be interested to see if we get like a Tyrod Taylor trajectory for Tyler Huntley here, because that was the same starting point for Tyrod in Baltimore, where he saw he was this athletic quarterback. He got some opportunity. Then he went elsewhere to start. I could see Tyler Huntley starting for somebody within the next couple of years. How does that guy go undrafted? There's so many crappy quarterbacks that get picked every year. And and, that guy goes undrafted. It's crazy. It's because NFL teams still get into the end of a draft and they're like, well, we want a developmental pocket passer. We don't want a guy that just runs around. It's changed to some degree, but I mean, I, I also think that they want their backup to look more like their starter. Yeah. So if you don't have the running starter, then you don't want the running backup. Yeah. At, at some point, they'll realize we should just take that athlete and see what happens with them. And at worst, we dump him for somebody else later on. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, Huntley, obviously a perfect fit in Baltimore, just, you know, being able to, you know, do almost what Lamar Jackson does when he has to come in. Mm-hmm. On the Bengals side, will Joe Mixon play? I mean, that was the question coming in, but he put in a full practice Wednesday, so it doesn't seem like we should really be too worried yeah. about the ankle, right? Yeah, I mean, full practice Wednesday, you got to assume he's going to be playing at this point. Tough matchup for him. You know, Baltimore has remained tough against the run all season, really. They're fifth in football outsiders, run defense, DBOA, and fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Mixon went 12 carries for 59 yards and a score in the week seven meeting. I mean, you're, you're kind of hoping he gets in the end zone. If you're playing him this week, I don't expect, you know, big volume or big efficiency on the ground. Um, but I do think Cincinnati's passing game is going to have plenty of success, which is, you know should lead to touchdown chances for Mixon. Yeah, I mean, he has gone for 17 plus carries in five straight games, even in a couple losses. He got 18 and 19 carries. So I think he'll get the ball plenty. I don't think you need to go searching for a replacement for Mixon, but I agree it's not the best spot for him. And they haven't consistently thrown him the ball and the matchup. Yeah favors leaning past this week, which we have seen Cincinnati do at times. So it would make sense if they limit Joe Mixon's exposure here. You know, if they do have a big offensive day, however it comes, that should at least help the scoring opportunities. Yeah, I do expect Cincinnati to lean 
heavily on the pass here, which teams have been doing against Baltimore anyways. Baltimore's third in situation neutral pass rate against. Uh, we saw Cincinnati lean on the pass in the first meeting. Joe Burrow had a massive game in that first meeting, 416 yards and three touchdowns. I remember talking about before that game how Burrow has been good against the Blitz this season. Baltimore is one of the Blitz heavier defenses. But we'll see if they you know, throw the same game plan at him this week would you know seem smart to change it up a bit but either way I like Burrow with the you know the state of Baltimore secondary and now they're just dealing with a bunch of injuries I think it would also be smart to just attack with where you're strong anyway they've got Joe Burrow Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd even CJ Uzama I don't think there's any reason to believe that the Bengals can't have a big passing game in this one again so I like all of those guys obviously Tyler Boyd lowest among the wide receivers but CJ Uzama again, is in tight end consideration this week. I would play, unless I had to drop Dawson Knox to get C.J. Uzama, I would play C.J. Uzama over Dawson Knox this week, and we'll get to Knox's matchup a little bit later. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, and we can get to Knox. Um, I do like Uzama as a you know spot start option this week if you, if you don't have you know a top 10 option at the position. You know, Baltimore has not been good against tight ends all season. I you know, expect lots of volume from the Bengals. And Uzama, even over the last three games has six, six and four targets, you know, not awesome volume, but you know, he's, he's been involved. He's on the field. And again, I, I like the Bengals passing game here. And we know he's capable at least from scoring from distance. So he doesn't have to get the targets in the end zone to, to find it. LA Rams at Minnesota, the Rams by three in this one. And that might grow over under 49. Cause the big story is shortly before we started recording this thing, Dalvin cook landed on the COVID list. So he's going to be out for this weekend. Almost definitely. I can't keep track of exactly what the protocols say at this point, but we're going to assume Dalvin cook's not playing. That means Ale- Alexander Madison is the starter again. He becomes an RB one level player, right? Yeah, he I I I, I you know updated projections for the Cook news and just slid Madison right into Cook's spot in the projections, almost the same exact numbers. Um, you know, honestly, Madison's almost had a better role without Cook than Cook has had when Madison's in there because you know Madison doesn't have Cook stealing you know a handful of touches per game. You know, he's going to get twenty plus opportunities here. Um, Cook, by the way, this isn't confirmed, but there you know there's been reports that he is not vaccinated. And if that's the case, the timing of this means he's going to miss week 17 too. So, you know, you, you're going to get Madison as the lead guy here for these next two weeks. Jeez. We don't know about Adam Thielen yet for the Vikings this week, but it seems like he's probably trending toward playing. He wanted to play last week, did not make it back for that game, but limited Wednesday. So that seems like he's trending in the right direction for playing. It does. I'm expecting him to play. Um, you know, he's coming off the high ankle sprain, which is always worrisome. You know, I think we talked about last week with Michael Carter, how, you know, fading those guys tends to work out at least in their first game back. So, you know, Thielen's a bit lower in the rankings than you'd usually find him. He's, you know, still in startable territory um, just because there's you know, not a ton of guys we can rely on at this point. Um, yeah. Just, just, just be careful because he is coming back off the high ankle sprain. And we also have to be kind of careful here because of the Dalvin cook COVID situation. We'll see who that yeah. might pass to who's a direct contact, who else tests positive here. So we'll be watching it doesn't help Adam Thielen or the Vikings passing game in general that Kirk Cousins is coming off two bad outings. He's had his three worst PFF passing grades among his past four games. Now he's dealing with a rib injury. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins is, you know, always alive in that streaming territory, but I sure wouldn't be counting on him this week. And I'm not overreaching for Vikings help. And we know uh, Cousins isn't vaccinated. So hopefully, you know, he's kept his distance from Dalvin Cook. I I, I do think – you know, missing Thielen has played a big part in Cousins' struggles over the past couple of weeks. So I do think getting Thielen back is, is going to help him. But, you know, he's definitely not a, a comfortable start at this point. 
Plus, he's just looked bad. I mean, the grades match yep. up with the eye test when you're watching the way he played in those games. Yep. So we'll see. Certainly getting feeling back is better than not having him. Um, and, I mean, it, it doesn't help him that on the other side, basically the whole Rams defense got over COVID last week, so they should be in pretty good shape. Yeah. On the Rams' offensive side, Sony Michelle dominated backfield work in Tuesday night's win over Daryl Henderson. It looks like it's his job now. Yeah, 73% of the snaps for Michelle to 27 for Henderson. Even the pass routes, this, this surprised me. It was 68% of the routes for Michelle versus just 22 for Henderson. I thought, if anything, you know, Henderson might kind of be more of the passing down back. You know, 18 carries and two targets for Sony Michelle. If you can count on that. You know, he's he remains kind of a, a lower-end running back one at this point until we see that, that uh, workload shift. And while we're talking backfield, loyal listener Azar Ahmed said no practice today again for James Conner. Game time decision for him on that game. So uh, we'll see whether it's Chase Edmonds' job in total. That certainly helps Chase Edmonds. And I have already bet the under on James Conner. We'll see if those bets get washed out by him not playing. Yeah, I bet that too on underdog, like 54 and a half, I think. Is that where you bet mm-hmm. it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll have, to be, I'll have to be glued to my computer on uh, Christmas night there, seeing if James Conner's active. That'll be That'll go over well. Now I'm hoping he's active. <laughs> yeah. Odell Beckham. I, I wonder if he might be a little high in our rankings this week. He's squarely in wide receiver two territory and fairly high there after a stinker yeah. on Tuesday. What do you think of Odell Beckham this week, Jared? I mean, he's a full-time player in a passing game we like in a concentrated passing game. I mean, yeah, he, he sucked last week, but his three finishes before that wide receiver, 11 wide receiver, 29 wide receiver, 10. Um, and the Vikings are dead last in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. So, I mean, I, I, I'd feel good going back to OBJ this week. Yeah. I look at him and I think, wow, Odell Beckham all the way up there. And then I look a couple spots behind him, like Mike Williams. <laughs> uh, do I feel better about betting on Mike Williams than I do Odell Beckham? Not really. So pretty much everybody in that range, it's like, could, could be awesome. Could win you this week could give you not a whole lot. So I guess among yeah. guys in that range and that kind of profile, I do like Beckham. Yeah. And kind of, kind of the same deal with Van Jefferson. You know, he, he killed you last week, but he had finished wide receiver 10, wide receiver 20, wide receiver 21 to three games prior. And he, he's actually running even more pass routes than OBJ. Van Jefferson ran around on every single Matt Stafford dropback last week. So we have Jefferson a bit lower in the rankings, but you know, he's kind of the same deal where, you know, full-time player in this passing game. And again, the Vikings, the worst wide receiver defense. Yeah, it was just kind of a low production game for them against Seattle, which has been kind of that kind of matchup where they're okay on defense. They're not giving up big stuff. So I I wouldn't worry about any of the numbers that came out of that game for the Rams offense. Agreed. Buffalo at New England Patriots by two and a half over under a 43 and a half. Jared, we got Devin Singletary at 22nd in our PPR rankings, and I'm not sure that I trust him that high. I think I'm probably playing Jeff Wilson over him tonight probably playing Melvin Gordon over him too, as we get later in the week. What do you think of Singletary? He should be higher. If you think he's going to get the same usage he got last week, which I, that, that's, that's kind of where, where the hedges, like it feels like Buffalo's backfield changes every week. You know, I, you know, Zach Moss was active the last time these two teams met. And I kind of think that was because of the weather and Buffalo knew they were going to have to run it a bit more than they probably wanted to. Um, but I mean, l- last week, Singletary played 93% of the Bills snaps, got 22 of the 23 running back carries, you know, still just one target in that game, but he was 19th among running backs and expected fantasy points last week. So we'll see. I mean, New England's a tough matchup. They're tougher against the pass than the run. Um, and I, I, you know, I still think Buffalo is going to lean on the pass here. Um, I don't expect another 22 carries for Singletary, but I do think, you know, 15 or so with a handful of targets, you know, is, is, is doable this week for him. Yeah, I mean, those 22 carries followed the Bucks game the week before where he didn't run the ball a lot, but seven targets, six catches in that game. So he's certainly their favorite running back right now. 
you know, it's not that long ago that he, that it was kind of a split backfield in the wind bowl that you mentioned the saints game before that, it looked like the bills wanted to get Matt Breida going. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm not, it's not that I'm worried about Zach Moss. It's not that I'm worried about Matt Breida. It's just that this team has showed us multiple times this year that just when we think we know what's starting to happen in the backfield, they go in another direction. So I it, when you combine that with Devin Singletary, usually being allergic to the end zone, it makes yeah. me iffy, but I also can't argue him down from 22nd in the rankings. That's certainly a, a decent spot versus what he has been in terms of role the past two weeks. Yeah, that, that's the thing you mentioned, the touchdowns. kind of tough to bank on him to score a touchdown, even though he did last week, but that was from distance. Um, and his, his receiving, his you know target volume sort of been all over the place. So those are kind of the issues with him. If Zach Moss ends up active on Sunday, I think you know we'll be moving Singletary you know, four or five, six spots down the rankings. Yeah, and that's I think that's key to mention because you might think, oh, Zach Moss, if he's usually a healthy scratch, why would I worry about him? Because he's only healthy when they actually plan on giving him the ball. That's why. Yes, exactly. Uh, no Cole Beasley, of course, for this offense. He's on the COVID list. We know that he's out for the weekend. Uh, that can only help Gabriel Davis's outlook. It's a bad matchup for all the Bills pass catchers, though. The Patriots mm-hmm. play the play the pass tough. I mean, they're talented all over, too. It's not like they are living off of one good corner and luck. They have a good set of corners. They're good at safety. They're tops in tight end coverage DVOA against tight ends. I I just think we're going to get a not exciting offensive day from the Bills in this one. I mean, they have a 20 and a half point implied total. I mean, that should kind of, you know, that's that's seven to 10 points lower than they are most weeks. Um, So you're, you're definitely lower on these bills than usual. And you're still, I'm still starting Josh Allen. You know, I also have like Aaron Rodgers or Kyler Murray for some reason, still starting Steph Diggs. We'll see if Emmanuel Sanders makes it back this week. He was limited in Wednesday's practice. A, a bit surprising considering he, he was expected to be week to week. I thought he'd miss multiple games, but uh, you know, Buffalo could definitely use him with Cole Beasley out. You know, Be- Beasley's absence makes me feel better about Dawson Knox too. If we want to get into him here, it, I mean, brutal matchup. The Patriots first in adjusted points allowed to tight ends and first in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. So, you know, the worst matchup for Dawson Knox. I mean, his usage has just just been too strong for me to you know move him too far down the rankings. He's sixth in expected fantasy points over the last five weeks now averaging 6.6 targets per game. Um, even in that first meeting against New England, Knox had a 20% target share. So, you know, they didn't necessarily shy away from that matchup. And I do think Beasley's absence could mean, you know, you know, some extra volume for Knox on Sunday. The Patriots also did not have Kyle Duggar in that game though. And he's been mm-hmm. their primary tight end coverage guy. So he's back for this one. I think that's a factor. Adrian Phillips is having a good year at safety. So, I mean, I'm not going to say you have to sit Dawson Knox and it's a close call between him and guys like Jared Cook and CJ Uzama that I mentioned before. And as usual, it's going to come down to who gets lucky with an end zone target. I I think there's a better chance though of Uzama or Jared Cook finding touchdowns in their matchups than there is for Knox this week. Yeah. I mean, those are the types I'm still starting Knox over. If you have Dalton Schultz or, you know, Kyle Pitts, you know, I'd feel fine uh, benching Knox for those types. And I will say again, I'm not going to drop Dawson Knox to get any of those guys because he they get, very well yeah. could be fine here. Yeah, and they get Atlanta next week. So, yes. you know, don't don't drop Dawson Knox. Yes, that is the biggest reason to not drop Dawson, drop Dawson Knox. And, you know, we mentioned the matchup. I mentioned it before, but a few weeks ago, he had a bad matchup against New Orleans, got three targets, scored on yes. two of them. So certainly capable of having a good game, even if it's a bad usage game, even if he barely gets any opportunities. Yep. You know, it's a bet on the offense as much as it is, as it is a bet on Dawson Knox himself. Exactly. On the Patriots side, I mean, there's not a whole lot to get excited about in general, and the matchup certainly doesn't excite you overall. 
you can say I'm betting on the run game here, but that was such an abnormal game in all respects. I'm not upgrading anything Patriots for this matchup. No, I mean, I, I do think they're going to lean on the run again. I mean, it's, it, they've been doing that anyways. Um, even if you remove that Bills game, the Patriots are 32nd in situation neutral pass rate over the last five weeks. And Buffalo's 22nd in neutral pass rate against if you remove that week 13 game against New England. So, you know, team's been running against the Bills. I think that's going to be New England's game plan. They obviously had success running against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. We'll see who's available in the backfield. Ramondre Stevenson's missed practice so far this week with an illness. Um, you know, it's, it's not COVID so far. He's not on the COVID list. So I would expect him to play. Damian Harris has remained limited with his hamstring. You know, he missed last week. He seemed kind of close to playing last week. He wasn't ruled out until uh, Friday night for that Saturday night game. So I think Harris will be back too. Um, so I think you're going to, you know, have something close to a 50, 50 split kind of leaves both guys as RB threes. But again, I, I, I do think the Pats are going to have success on the ground in this game. And of course you never really know what the injury situations are with these Patriots players. And I mean, the hamstring adds some risk, even if he's back for this game. So especially if he's back, it's going to make it easier to just kind of back away from all the Patriots running backs and look elsewhere. Um, by the way, I just saw that the Titans are activating AJ Brown for tonight's game. So he will officially be back in. Does that, that doesn't move him up the rankings for you at all from where we already have him, right? Because we were assuming that that would be the case. Yes. You know, he's, he's projected as if he's in, um, but, you know, sli- you know, slightly lower than, I, I, you know, lower than he would be if we knew he was, you know, full go. A.J. Brown not coming off an injury. Um, again, wide receiver three with a lot of upside. If you're looking in that area, I, I would lean towards playing Brown tonight just for that ceiling. Mm-hmm. Certainly a talent worth betting on. Moving on to the Chargers at the Texans. Chargers by nine and a half as of right now. We'll see where that goes with all the questions here. And, of course, the biggest question is whether Austin Eckler can make it off the COVID list. He was reported to reported to be heading to the COVID list Monday, did not actually go on that day, did land on it Wednesday. So I don't know what we can really expect, how much, yeah. what, like what his chances are of making it back for this game. Right now, if you're planning, I think you have to plan as though you're yeah. not going to have Austin Eckler this weekend. And you can just, it, it can be, you know, a second day of Christmas in a row for you if he is back <laughs> for that game. Yes, agreed. I would plan on not having Eckler. Um, and that's going to leave Justin Jackson as the lead back here. And I think a usable fantasy piece. I do think, you know, jo- Josh Kelly was active last time out anyways, got some run. I think Larry Roundtree might end up being active for this game. Um, so, you know, don't expect Jackson to be a workhorse to even get Eckler's level of usage. But I mean, even last week, you know, he, with Eckler limited in that Thursday night game against the chiefs, uh, Jackson had 13 carries for 86 yards, caught his lone target. I think, you know, 13 carries sounds about right. I think he'll get some more action in the passing game and it's the Texans. You know, the Chargers often should have plenty of success. So I think I think Jackson is a running back, too, this week. Yeah, I mean, if I have Justin Jackson and I need him to play, I love that it's the Houston matchup. Otherwise, I kind of wish that it was a different spot so we could just be like, whatever. If you need a Chargers running back, play him. Um, but all these guys are desperation plays. It should be Justin Jackson. Joshua Kelly has done nothing in through two years of the NFL with any of his yeah. opportunities. Larry Roundtree is fine. It sounds like he's their Zach Moss if he's inactive when they don't need him. So, I mean, Justin Jackson should be the highest ceiling player among these guys, but it's worth keeping all that in mind and not overreaching to play Justin Jackson for the matchup. Yeah. I think you're going to see Kelly, you know, mixing on early downs and, and 
probably even see the goal line stuff, which will be kind of annoying if you're using Justin Jackson. But again, if you can get 12 to 15 carries and a few targets in this Chargers offense um, against Houston and Jackson's a good player. I mean, you're, you're a fan of Jackson, right? I mean, he, he's had trouble staying healthy, but when he's been healthy, he's, he's, he's a good player. Yeah. I drafted him in a few spots and then they're like, uh, we're not going <laughs> to use Justin Jackson at all this yeah. year. So I don't have any pieces of him at this point. And we saw them use Joshua Kelly at the goal line last week with Austin Eckler active. Mm-hmm. So we know that they remain stupidly interested in Josh Kelly and it backfired. So we'll see if that helps Justin Jackson this week, or if they're like, no, we're going to get Josh Kelly going. You wait and see anything else. On, I mean, the chargers side, otherwise on the passing, it's, it kind of goes without saying at this point, I guess, Jared Cook is one to mention. Yeah. It's an upside spot for him. Houston is among the best scoring matchups in the league for tight end. The question is if he gets targets, and there's no reason to expect expect him to get a bunch of them, but it could be a good spot for his efficiency at least. Yeah, well, I mean, you have if Austin Eckler's out, that could help Cook a little bit. Donald Parham is, is going to miss this game after you know suffering that scary injury on, on Thursday night. So you know, that that could mean a few extra targets for for Jared Cook. And like you said, the matchup is awesome. So you know, Cook, Cook for me is right there with. Like CJ Ozoma, um, Cole Komet is in that mix. Is like, you know, the best spot start options at tight end for week 16. I'm definitely playing Jared Cook over Cole Komet. I would play him over, I would play him over Uzama, I believe, because of yeah. the factors that you mentioned. Isn't Jalen Guyton also on the COVID list at this point? He is. Yeah, good point. So a few more potential targets available there. So I think all that gives Jared Cook more upside than those guys. And I agree with you. I think you should play Jared Cook over Dawson Knox. I would not do that, but yeah, I'm with you at Cook over those other guys. He's much more exciting than, than Cole Komet. Houston's side, we really have nothing to talk about because Brandon Cooks is on the COVID list. If he doesn't make it back, I'm not playing a single thing in a Texans uniform. I might dabble in Nico Collins in DFS, um, but yeah, not not in not in season long. I have some notes on Rex Burkett here, who's like you know kind of the lead back in Houston at this point. Um, you know, decent matchup against the Chargers, but uh, desperation play only for Rex Burkett. Yeah, you couldn't even say that without chuckling. So that tells you all you need to know about Rex Burkett. <laughs> Moving on. Tampa Bay at Carolina. The Bucks by 10 and a half over under 44. Is Ronald Jones a good play at running back in our fantasy semifinals this week, Jared? Hell yeah, he is. I mean, we've we've seen we've seen Ronald Jones in a lead role. He had four games last year with Leonard Fournette out or limited. Like there was one game where Fournette played a couple snaps before exiting. Uh, Ronald Jones, 102 and a half rushing yards per game in those four games, uh, scored three touchdowns across those four games, even averaged four and a half targets and three catches across those four games. Now his targets in those games went nine, five, two, and two. So, you know, Brady was like, I'll, I'll give you a chance here, Ronald. Um, you know, a, a few games later, he was like, no, you're, you know, you're out of there in the passing game. And we did see the bucks. They used Keyshawn Vaughn ahead of Ronald Jones in passing situations, even last week. And then they signed Le'Veon Bell this week. So I don't think you're going to see Jones play in obvious passing downs, but I do think he's going to be the clear lead runner here. And, you know, he has a shot at 20 carries in this game. Um, So I I do think he's a, he's a strong fantasy play this week. And he does at least have a shot at getting the targets for this game because OC Byron left, which said, yeah, we trust him in all situations, even those where he's in pass protection. Now, I think we both know that that's coach speak, but if he's saying that publicly, it at least says, that they're probably not just going to take Ronald Jones off the field all the time in passing situations. And even if they do, like he's going to come off the down, like he's going to come off the field in like third and longs, but you know, he'll, he'll be out there in on passing plays on early downs, you know, and Brady, Brady has always targeted his running backs at a high rate, you know, even going back to his New England days. So I, I do think Jones gets, you know, three, four targets in this game along with, you know, 15 to 20 carries. 
Yeah, I agree. Ronald Jones is a good play this week, and it's it's kind of nuts to say that at week 16, but really it's one of the better running back situations in the league in terms of losing your starter and going to the backup. It's just that because, you know, Leonard Fournette was so awesome for us all year, and now we're going to be missing him late in the season, but what are you, you going to do? My main event team is losing him for this week, so at least we got Aaron Jones, Zeke Elliott, Sonny Michelle there, so still in, in pretty good shape considering. The, it certainly doesn't hurt Ronald Jones's chances of getting targets that Antonio, I'm sorry, that Mike Evans is probably out, though not necessarily yet with his hamstring. No practice for him Wednesday. Chris Godwin, of course, is done for the season. Um, so plenty of guys out and leaving potential targets on the field. Antonio Brown is back from lying, um, but he was still limited Wednesday with his ankle issue that was keeping him out before we all knew about the Vax card. So we're going to have to watch and see if Antonio Brown is a definite to play in this game. It seems like he's trending in that direction, but it's not definite at this point. Right. Bruce Arian said he looked fine on Wednesday. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on him the rest of the week. Um, man, it's obviously an awesome spot if he is able to play. Just, you know, if Evans and Gavin are out, I, you know, Brady has no issue just leaning on the guys he trusts. So I think, you know, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski should both see a ton of targets in this game. Yeah, it is a bad matchup for Gronk, so I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're playing him. Like I, I'm not. I don't want to talk him down like Dawson Knox because you're going to play Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> and it is though. It's worth noting. I guess. I guess it's a DFS thing, as I say it out loud, that maybe he doesn't have the ceiling that he might otherwise have because of this matchup with Carolina that has been tough on tight ends this year. I mean, Carolina 12th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Football Outsiders has them seventh in tight end coverage. So it's a it's a tough matchup, but not an impossible matchup. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, we'll see on Mike Evans. Not ne- not definitely out, but we wouldn't bet on him playing at this point. And I, I don't know about you, Jared, but I'm not reaching for Tyler Johnson or Scotty Miller in this matchup against Carolina. No, not in season long. I think in, in DFS, maybe you can talk about it. Um, so Tyler Johnson replaced Godwin as the slot guy after Godwin left last week's game. So I think that's a good spot for him. The other situation to track here is Brashad Perriman, who is on the COVID list. But if he comes off, I think he probably passes Scotty Miller back up and is the other outside wide receiver. So it'd be, you know, Antonio Brown and Brashad Perriman on the outside with Tyler Johnson in the slot. On the Carolina side, Matt Rule says that Sam Darnold is going to play some in this game for some reason. I don't know what this guy is doing. And that just makes Cam Newton a shaky play. I mean, obviously it wasn't going to be an exciting play anyway, but he would be a better play if we didn't have the coach saying, yeah, I'm also going to play another quarterback sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I think it's nice that we don't have to be tempted to, to start Cam Newton in this spot. I mean, I think it's going to be ugly for the Panthers offense against this this Bucks defense. So I think you avoid it. I mean, I, honestly, if I'm Carolina, I'm probably just playing Sam Darnold the rest of the season just because, like, you know, he, just just to see. Because I don't, I don't know what his contract's like. We but, saw. I mean, at least. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you know Cam Newton's not a long-term answer, so I don't know. I, I'd probably just see what Darnold does the last few weeks. Yeah, see, I mean, I think we as fans say that, but if I'm a Panther teammate and you put Sam Darnold oh. back in and say we're going to see what he does, yeah. and I'm like, what the hell for? We stunk with Sam Darnold on the field. At least Cam well, Newton gives us a chance in these games. Yeah. So they I mean, stunk with Newton too. I mean, in, in, realistically, <laughs> though, you have to think about what gives your team the best chance of competing for the other guys on the team, especially if there's nothing with Sam Darnold. He got the shot. He sucked this year. He sucked with the Jets. He's done. So I would like to be able to forget completely about Cam Newton. I think in one quarterback leagues, you are. In a two-quarterback league, I have to play Cam Newton now because I just lost Taysom Hill to COVID today, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. I think that at that level and in like a super flex league, I would probably – treat cam newton as though we're not gonna have sam darnold in this game because there have been a couple times so far including last week 
where we had Matt Rule saying PJ Walker is going to play some, and then he was yeah. not a factor at all. So I would rather chase Cam Newton's upside than bench him if he's a realistic option for me on the fear that he's going to lose meaningful snaps to somebody else. Yeah, well, we had Newton as a mid-range quarterback too. He was like quarterback seventeen or eighteen in our rankings before that Darnold news, and then we, you know, we 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 shaved his projections and gave some to Darnold. Um, so, but if you don't think Darnold is going to get in on Sunday, then I do think Newton is, is okay as a quarterback too because he he has been giving you the rushing production. There's really not a whole lot else in the Carolina offense to like, and the one player to like, DJ Moore, is dealing with an injury this week. Apparently, not practicing today. Yeah, yeah hamstring injury that he played through. Last week, but Matt Matt Rule said he's going to be a game time decision for Sunday, so we'll have to wait on that. I mean, he's he's not exciting even if he is in there, just because you know this this Panthers passing game is probably not going to do a whole lot. And certainly, I mean, if DJ Moore is down for this game, it's it does not help the outlook for any guy who's playing quarterback in this game. You might have quarterbacks asking not to play instead of getting into <laughs> yeah. the game. Yeah, and I'm completely avoiding this backfield too. Um, I mean, honestly, if you have to use one of them, I'd rather use Amir Abdullah because he's playing in the passing downs, and Carolina's going to be playing from behind for you know most of this game. Yeah, I'm be avoiding this backfield as well. Jacksonville at the New York Jets. Speaking of avoid, but Jets by one in this game over under 41 and a half. And frankly, Jared, if it wasn't James Robinson week last week, and maybe it was, it'll only be because this week is James Robinson okay. week because the matchup doesn't get a whole lot better than the Jets. It doesn't get better than the Jets. They're dead last in adjusted points allowed to running backs and football outsiders run defense DVOA. And James Robinson last week, you know, it, it happened with Urban Meyer gone, 18 carries, six targets. Robinson was second among running backs in expected fantasy points on the week. O- only Duke Johnson had a more valuable role last week than James Robinson. Um, so, yeah, he's, uh, he's an easy RB1 this week. I think laughing at that, as you said, is completely appropriate because it's a ridiculous way to hit week 15. The the I, the worst week that anybody who's been playing fantasy for a long time can remember. Elsewhere on the Jags offense, I mean, there's really not a whole lot else to talk about. And I think maybe the fact that James O'Shaughnessy is the next most discussable Jaguar says as much about the rest of the offense as it does about him. But it's a good spot for James O'Shaughnessy against the Jets. The matchup is good for tight end scoring as well. And he caught all four of his targets last week for six for 60 yards. Yeah, Dan Arnold was de- designated to return this week. Um, I don't think he's going to be back for this game, but that's at least, you know, you have to watch that if you want to start James O'Shaughnessy this week. I mean, he, you know, he's he's well below the the Jared Cooks, the CJ Ozomas, the Cole Komets in the tight end rankings. But, um, you know, if, if you need a tight end that's going to get you four to six targets and, you know, uh, eight yards a catch. James O'Shaughnessy, James O'Shaughnessy might be your guy. You need to practice his name, to give him proper respect <laughs> here. I think I'm not sure that he's well below Cole Komet, but I guess I'll give him that he's below him. We'll talk about Komet. He's been he's been better than than you're giving him credit for. I know he hasn't. So on the Jets side of this one, I mean, is Braxton Berrios the guy that we have to talk about here? We'll see whether Jamison Crowder is going to play, yeah. but if he doesn't, I, Braxton Berrios is somebody that you have to at least realize exists. He's not even in my notes because he he's play, he's not playing many snaps at all. I'm pulling it up. I mean, if Crowder's out, then you can consider Barrios if you're you know desperate. Yeah, he played 33% of the snaps last week, 41% of the snaps the week before. He had, he had 10 targets on a 41% snap rate two weeks ago. It's just it's crazy. Um, if if Crowder's out, then Barrios becomes you know he'll be their their primary slot guy. But if if Crowder's in, uh, Barrios is not playable. Yes, definitely. If Crowder's playing, I forget Braxton Berrios exists again. But if he's not, I mean, Braxton Berrios could be 
a surprisingly worthwhile PPR option in this week 16. Not somebody that I'm going nuts for, but if I'm looking down in the range of like Jacoby Myers, I think Braxton Berrios, given their two matchups this week, I think Berrios has more PPR upside than Jacoby Myers if there's no Jamison Crowder. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's no Crowder. Uh, Berrios had one target last week. You know, he scored the, the rushing touchdown, but. Um... See, he's basically white Debo <laughs> Samuel. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I got Michael Carter down, but what's there to say about Michael Carter at this point with Mike White still not existing? I mean, if you're starting Carter, you're hoping he was just limited in his first game back last week. It was basically a 50-50 split between him and Tevin Coleman. I don't know. I I think that coaching staff likes Tevin Coleman. They have some history with him from San Francisco. And he's – I'm not going to say he's been good this season, but he's he's been – okay and good enough where you know he might maintain a role and there's no reason for the jets to overwork carter down the stretch here so carter's the preferred guy you know he's he's just an rb3 because i don't think you're going to get big volume from him yes if you need a jets running back this week then you either just lost dalvin cook or you're (laughs) kidding yourself that your team is still doing anything at this point maybe you're taking the consolation bracket too seriously there you go New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles by 10 in this one, over under a 40 and a half. The Giants, we are expecting to start Jake Fromm this week. And that's how well things are going for the Giants. They think, well, let's see what Jake Fromm's got. There's basically nothing to talk about on offense other than that Saquon Barkley still plays, I guess. Fromm looked considerably better than Mike Lennon in that game last week. So, you know, he, he you're not using him. You're not investing in this Giants passing game but I, I think he might be an upgrade over Mike Lennon Saquon Barkley has become like a floor running back to play you know he, he's finished between RB 11 and RB 26 in the last three weeks now he's 18th in expected fantasy points over that span it, it, if you you know just watching the Giants games and looking at the numbers it seems like they're keeping his snaps limited a bit and using Devontae Booker a bit more which is actually you know one of the few smart things the Giants have done because there, there's no reason for them to be giving you know Barkley 25 touches at this point of the season Mike Glennon must be a hell of a guy in team meetings because otherwise I do not understand why he continues to get paychecks from NFL teams. As I said, there's so many bad quarterbacks in the NFL and then you have someone like Tyler Huntley who just goes undrafted. It's, it's nuts. I think Mike Glennon is a good example and I'm not going to say what's obvious in the difference about him and the athletic guys who go undrafted. Instead, we're going to move on to the Eagles side where Jalen Hurts came back from his high ankle sprain against Washington and did so in terrific fashion, boosting any fantasy lineup that was brave enough or desperate enough to wait for him for that game Tuesday night. Yeah. Ankle obviously wasn't an issue. You know, he had the the two goal line runs. Um, he hurts did have his worst game, his worst fantasy outing of the season against the giants back in week 12. He finished that week quarterback 27. He threw three interceptions. He did run eight times for 77 yards. And I think he will have another big crashing game here. I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried about that performance. Um, the giants, by the way, have allowed six passing touchdowns or zero interceptions over the last three games. Now a 74% completion rate. So it was a good pass defense for a lot of the season, but it's, it's definitely tailing off late. And the Eagles were moving the ball in that first matchup. There were a couple of times where he turned the ball over instead of scoring. So if those had been, if those had been scores instead of interceptions, the game wouldn't be anything we're even talking about other than, hey, look what Jalen Hurts did against the Giants last time. This is why you start him again. So I'm not overly worried about that one, especially with what you're talking about, the Giants not playing as well. I am a little worried about Miles Sanders, who after going for a career high in rushing yards against Washington on Tuesday night, 
is now dealing with a quad injury, which he said after the game, he's dealing with multiple things. We knew about the ankle. The quad kept him out of practice Wednesday. Uh, you know, it's a day after they played, so I'm sure that that yeah. factored into him not practicing. But we're going to have to at least watch the rest of this week for Miles Sanders and see how he is heading into the game. And now he looked awesome in that game against Washington. You know, had the big numbers and great spot here. The Giants 28th in football outsiders run defense, DVOA, and 26th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. Um, you know, the, the, the final numbers last week were 18 carries for Miles Sanders to 15 for Jordan Howard. But Howard got the final six carries of the game to ice it away with, you know, Philly up by 10. Um, So it it was, you know, kind of, it was Sanders as the clear lead back in that game with with Howard as the clear number two. That's how I'd expect it to go this week. If, if Sanders is healthy enough. Yeah. It only took us until Tuesday night of week 15 for the Eagles to finally give the ball to Miles Sanders as their lead back with other options available, but I guess better late than never. And at least it's a positive rushing matchup. If he does make it back for this one, I'll be using him if we can this week. The passing game, there's not a whole lot to love besides Dallas Goddard at this point. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, Devonta Smith is just not getting the volume we need. I don't, I don't expect him to get this game because it's you know the the Eagles should have all the success they need to have on the ground. I don't think they're gonna have to throw it too much. Uh, Detroit at Atlanta, a game we could probably skip, but the Falcons are six point favorites here, over under forty two and a half. Detroit might not have its quarterback Jared Goff is on the COVID list that happened early in the week. So that helps his chances of making it back, but you know, we'll have to see. And if it's not him, it'll be Tim Boyle for the second time this year. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the guy we're worried about here is Amon Ross St. Brown, who's you know been awesome the last three games, 12, 12 and 11 targets. And even last week, I mean, man, they were, they, they were using him out of the backfield, you know, getting him the ball out of the backfield. So clearly the focal point of their game plan last week, he's looked good. Um, but yeah, that, you know, if they have to go to Tim Boyle, that obviously adds, risk to St. Brown. Yeah. The other thing to watch here is who is back at running back. Jamal Williams should be good off the COVID list. DeAndre Swift is a maybe this week following a few games down with the shoulder. So we're going to have to watch that to see what everyone's status is heading into the game. Obviously. I mean, if Swift's back and especially if it's Tim Boyle, they're going to want to give him the ball as much as they can. I would imagine. Yeah. And Swift was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. So I don't know that to me, the fact that he's out there on a Wednesday means they're gearing him up to play in this game. And I don't know, maybe they'll keep him a bit limited, you know, with their season going nowhere and him coming off the shoulder injury. But I, I, it'd be tough for me to bench DeAndre Swift against the Falcons if he's active on Sunday. And the other thing is, you know, we get to this point and we're like, well, why put a guy out there and risk his injury getting worse when there's nothing for you to play for? There are a lot of times where guys will have a shoulder injury that can't really get worse. And, you know, if, even if they ding it to the point where they have to leave that game, there's not risk of further structural damage. So, you know, at some level, we have to just trust that the team knows what it's doing in terms of playing the guy and that the player knows what he's doing to some degree. If Swift is active for this game and we know that he's starting this game, I'm going to go ahead and play DeAndre Swift against the Falcons. Yeah. And if I end up with a guy who touches the ball five times and leaves early, then I'm like, oh, well. It was yeah. my, you know, third round pick. I'd rather go down trusting him than go down not trusting him and playing Justin Jackson. No, yeah, that that's that's a good point. I mean, it's dangerous to speculate on that type of stuff. But you know, I we have we have Dr. Chow and some other smart actual doctors that you know we we can you know tap into and you know, see what they think. So we'll we'll see um, what they say about Swift status for Sunday. Definitely a situation to watch. On the other side, Cordero Patterson's coming off. <laughs> A crushing blow to anybody who had come to trust him before week 15. But if you survived with him, I think you yeah. definitely go ahead and toss him right back out there against Detroit. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the matchup makes it an easy call to stick with him. I mean, the, the passing game usage has been disappointing for a while now. We've talked about, you know, his targets have gone three, five, five, two over the past four games. Now his, his routes have been down um, from where they were early in the season. But I mean, he, you know, he still looks fine. He, he had a, he had what looked like a touchdown on that first drive of last week's game. And they, you know, overturned it and said he was down at the one inch line. Um, so he was, he was close to having a usable fantasy day. And as you said, the matchup here, so Detroit 29th in football outsiders run defense DVOA. They're also 32nd in football outsiders running back coverage DVOA. So hopefully the, the Falcons decide to get CPAT back involved in the passing game again on Sunday. That would be nice. Anything else worth talking about on the Atlanta side? I mean, I, I just think that the guys in play are kind of obvious at this point. Yeah, Pitt's just like a mid to lower end tight end one. And I mean, I, I think Russell Gage is a pretty easy starter this week, considering the volume he's been getting in this matchup against Detroit. Yeah, we actually had a question earlier involving Russell Gage that I answered quickly, but um, Marcos Valdez from Facebook has a lot of options here. Russell Gage, Amon Ross St. Brown, oh, T. Man. Higgins, I'm assuming, Antonio Brown, Ronald Jones, Cordero Patterson, Justin Jackson, assuming that there's no Eckler, of course. It's half PPR. We need one wide out, one running back, one flex. A lot at play here. What I said initially, Jared, was Ronald Jones for the running back slot, Patterson for the flex, and then T. Higgins mm-hmm. for the wide receiver spot. Yeah, to, to me, it's Higgins, Antonio Brown, Ronald Jones, Patterson. You, you throw out Gage, St. Brown, Justin Jackson. Um, I, I'd play the two running backs, Jones and Patterson, and then Brown and Higgins toss up, you know, we, I think they're both top 10 wide receivers in our rankings this week. So you can't really go wrong with those guys. Yeah. And we'll see how the practice week goes for Antonio Brown. Right. You know, as of this recording, we've got one practice report on him. So we'll see um, exactly what's up with him. So getting back to this one, anything else from the Detroit Atlanta game? Nope. Chicago at Seattle. We've got the Seahawks by six and a half over under 43. <clears throat> and when I first looked at this one, Jared, I was surprised at the line in favor of, of Seattle six and a half points seems like a lot for the Seahawks team right now, but the bears have lost against the spread five straight games and eight of their past nine. So they have done poorly against the spread lately. The Seahawks failed to beat the seven point spread against the Rams on Tuesday, but they did beat the spread in the previous two. So I don't know, I guess, first of all, what do you think about six and a half <laughs> point for Seattle versus Chicago here? It does seem high, um, but it, this is definitely a game I would not touch from a betting side because I don't know what to expect. Or I, I don't want to invest in either of these teams right now. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is there are mm-hmm. things that you can point to in this game and say, maybe this guy, maybe these points, but neither of these teams you can say, oh, yeah, I really like them to score this game or I really like them to shut mm-hmm. them down this game. On the Chicago side, there's an injury question with Justin Fields. We're expecting him to play at this point, though. We are, and, you know, he – it came in garbage time, but he finished quarterback 10 last week. Um, you know, he had the touchdown on the last play of the game to get there. Um, but that's four straight top 10 finishes for Justin Fields. You know, he's still doing enough with his legs. Um, you know, he's outside our top 12 this week, but if you have been streaming at quarterback, I think Fields is a decent option. Again, it's not a, it's not a scary matchup against Seattle. And Hey, if we trust Vegas and I guess we should over ourselves, then this, there could be more garbage time in this one. So like that from Justin Fields, even though I don't, I don't care when the numbers come as long as they come. Yep. Uh, I guess now it's time for you to talk about Cole Komet because David <laughs> Montgomery is high enough in our rankings this week that he doesn't even merit talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Montgomery. I mean, he's, I think he's top five in our rankings, right? Awesome mm-hmm. matchup. He's been getting awesome volume. Uh, I mean, Komet has, he's just, he's been getting good, good volume all season. He hasn't scored yet, which is kind of keeping his fantasy 
totals down, um, especially in games without Allen Robinson, who, you know, is still on the COVID list as of now. We'll see if he makes it back for this game, but uh, 7.3 targets and four and a half catches per game for Cole Komet in his last four without Allen Robinson and Seattle 32nd in adjusted points allowed to tight end. So it's an excellent matchup for Komet. Yeah, certainly like the upside. Uh, can't get excited because they he doesn't know how to score touchdowns. But, you know, he's <laughs> definitely in the mix with those other guys that we talked about. And I would be fine with playing Cole Komet over Dawson Knox in a PPR lineup. I would not do that. <laughs> uh, Cole Komet does have nine red zone targets on the season, three in the inside the 10 only. So um, not loading up on red zone opportunities that he has failed to capitalize on. Yeah, I'm not expecting a touchdown, um, but, you know, I think you, you get four or five catches out of him. And Darnell Mooney, I think, is not an exciting option at this point. He's the top receiver for yep. Chicago, but, I mean, that makes you a wide receiver three. Yeah, wide receiver three, exactly. You know, he he's also benefited from Allen Robinson being out, so we'll see about A-Rab's status. Uh, you know, Seattle's sixth in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers, which, you know, kind of tough to believe. Then you, you look and they, you know, they shut down Odell Beckham and Van Jefferson last week. They didn't shut down Cooper Cup because no one can. Um, but they did contain those other two Rams wideouts. There is no shutting down Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. On the Seattle side, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I would not play the backfield this week unless I needed to, yeah. and I would play the top two wideouts, assuming that we get Tyler Lockett back, which I'm certainly – I'm not going to be consolable <laughs> if we don't get Tyler Lockett back. Yeah, yeah he, he really should be back um, based on the timing when he landed on the list, but we'll see. Uh, man, Russell Wilson, another horrible game. On Tuesday night, I mean, he he cost he cost DK Metcalf 100 yards in that game at least. Um, so, I, I've been saying for a month now that Metcalf's kind of due. He's going to get off the Schneid. I, you know, again, the usage is still there. Um, it just hasn't been happening for him. But you know, I'm with you. I, I would stick with Metcalf in fantasy lineups this week. Gerald Everett gets a tiny boost at least mm-hmm. if um, Will Disley does not make it back from the COVID list. And he landed on it this week, so certainly mm-hmm. less of a chance than there is for Tyler Lockett. Yeah, and Everett's been seeing decent volume. You know, it it sunk that one game after the the you know three turnover game, um, but it, it rebounded last week. Tough matchup here, though. Chicago fifth in adjusted points allowed to tight ends, so Everett's a bit lower in our rankings. You know, I like Cole Komet over him. I like Jared Cook, C.J. Ozoma. I would play Everett over James O'Shaughnessy. That's fair. I would do that as well. But I think that that's a good place to leave it. Pittsburgh at Kansas City next up on the list. Chiefs by eight over under 44. And of course, the big story in this game is Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both being on the COVID list as of right now. And we'll wait and see if either guy has a chance of making it back. Yeah, we did hear from Ian Rapport that Kelsey was asymptomatic uh, as of yeah, as of yesterday, Wednesday. Um, so again, with the, with the new protocols, if that remains the case, he should be cleared by Sunday. Tyreek Hill landed on the list a day later. Then Travis Kelsey, we haven't heard anything about him having symptoms or not. So um, he's, he's a bit more iffy. But again, at this, at this point, I would you know be planning on as if you're not going to have either of those guys and then you know, just be happy if they are cleared by Sunday. And if we have no Tyree Kill, I mean, history tells us that Nicole Hardman is the Tyree yeah. Kill replacement. We'll see if that has changed this season. But I, I think that Nicole Hardman is worth the risk in that case. And I'm not saying I would make him like wide receiver 20, but if you're fishing in wide receiver three range and you're just looking for somebody with upside, I think that the ceiling on Hardman without Tyree Kill in the lineup is well worth any risk that's involved. I mean, he almost has to be the replacement, right? Like who, who else is there? Like Brian Pringle's already been almost a full-time player anyways. It's Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. Um, Josh Gordon is still on the COVID list, I believe. I might be wrong. I haven't I've been missing some of these COVID list transactions. Um, but yeah, so Hardman – 
we have four games of him without Hill. Those came back in 2019, which was, which was Hardman's rookie year. Um, but he played 60 to 70% of the snaps in those four games, averaged five and a half targets in those four games. I think that, you know, that's kind of what you should be expecting from him. And, you know, he is a guy that can, you know, make his day with one big play. Yeah. I'll try to check the COVID list real quick, but it's making my computer uh, kind of slow down here. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on the guys and we'll update it as needed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of wait and see as far as who's back. It's nice that we got the report on Travis Kelsey being asymptomatic. Um, we just got from Azar Ahmed on YouTube that Gordon is back. So he is an option okay. for the passing game as well. Still like McCole Hardman for the history of yeah. replacing Tyreek Hill, albeit the limited history. What what do you do with Patrick Mahomes if Kelsey and Hill are out? Like, you know, what, what level are you are you benching him for? I mean, it's especially more difficult now that Taysom Hill is not an option for us this yeah. week. We're talking about I don't think that we're if we're looking at the bottom of the top twelve, I don't think that we're really looking at guys that Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes teams also right. drafted unless you took your backup quarterback too early. So looking at the specific names, I would play I think I would play Justin Fields over Patrick Mahomes, but I'm honestly not certain that I would do that. The next guy behind him is Kirk Cousins. So I don't think that I would play Cousins with the way that he played the past two weeks over Mahomes, even with those guys out. But I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, and the the guys above Mahomes, like Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. I'm I'm using those guys over Mahomes, assuming Kelsey and Hill are out. I don't know if I could play. Justin Fields over Mahomes, and then to me, no, no one beneath Fields I would consider. So, um, I, like you said, I think in most cases the team with Mahomes is is not going to have a better option on their bench. So I think you're just riding the Mahomes, and you hope hope his talent kind of carries you. Yeah, I mean the next guy behind Kirk Cousins is Jimmy Garoppolo, who's playing tonight. I would absolutely yeah. wait and see if yeah. we can get Kelsey or Tyree Hill back rather than playing Kirk, yeah. uh, rather than playing Jimmy Garoppolo on Thursday night. What a mess. As, as, as uh, Adam Krautwurst has been saying for a month now, fantasy football never used to be this hard. <laughs> um, I do like Clyde Edwards E. Lair this week, regardless of what happens, but especially if Travis Kelsey and or Tyree Kill is out. The Pittsburgh Rundy has been awful since week nine against everybody except Baltimore in that stretch. They've only had two good outings in run defense since week six. And the other one besides the Baltimore game came against Cleveland with no Kareem Hunt and with Nick Chubb in his first game back from a calf injury. So it's a bad run D. There's all the reason for Kansas City to lean run in this game. Even if we look at last week where the Chiefs had to play catch up against the Chargers and it cut down on the number of carries for Edwards Elaire, he saw a season high four targets. He saw his largest snap total of the season. He saw his largest snap share since the opener. So good spot for him this week. Yeah, I'm curious to see how run heavy the Chiefs are willing to go if they don't have Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kilk. You know, it's been a super pass heavy offense for as long as Mahomes has been there. But they I think they would have to lean on the run quite a bit more if they don't have those two guys. And the matchup kind of dictates it. You know, Pittsburgh has remained pretty pretty tough against the pass, but you know, they've been horrible against the run, as you said. So yeah, you know, Edwards Alera, he's an RB two that will you know, gain upside if Hill and Kelsey are out. I think Daryl Williams even becomes, you know, in, in more interesting in RB3 flex territory if there's no Kelsey and no Tyreek. Yeah, I mean, even if they don't necessarily go run heavy, and we have seen instances here and there where the Chiefs have gone run heavy over the past couple of years. Even if they don't, though, they're going to have to throw more targets at the running backs if we don't have Tyreek Hill right. and Travis Kelsey in this game. On the Pittsburgh side, I mean, it's kind of obvious who we're talking about at this point, right? Do you have any 
out of the ordinary notes on Steelers offensive players? No, uh, Pat Fryermuth unlikely to play in this game after suffering his second concussion in about a month last week. So that, you know, his replacement is going to be Zach Gentry, but you know, that should free up targets for the wide receivers. Chase Claypool remains the tough one. You know, he was again at just 59% of the pass routes last week. Ray Ray McLeod has run more pass routes than Chase Claypool in three straight games now. So, I mean, you know, he, he had the nine target game in there, but then his other two games among the last three, three targets and two targets. Um, so, you know, he's, he's tough to count on at this point of the season. I just like hearing Ray Raven Cloud's name every <laughs> time. So it's fun for me to have you bring it up. Denver at Las Vegas, the Raiders by half a point here over under a 41 and a half. The Raiders have lost three straight games against the spread six of the past seven. They've won just two of their past seven games outright. They did win by 10 at Denver back in October 17th. Now I say all that because I was surprised to see that line with Drew Locke starting for Denver. And it makes me think I'm going to just go ahead and bet a team that's basically a pick against Drew Locke. But this might be another game where you just say, no, it's a trap. I'm not betting anything here because the Raiders have not been something we can trust lately. Yeah, I, I wouldn't bet it. Um, I I do think, um, you know, the Raiders are the side if you're going to bet it because I, I don't trust Drew Locke. Um, but, you know, the, the Vegas offense just really hasn't been the same since coming out of the bye week without Henry Ruggs. It is Drew Locke to start for the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater has a concussion. I think it's an interesting pass offense for DFS. It's definitely not one that I'm going after anything for my season long lineup because there are just too many guys waiting to catch passes with a quarterback who's not good at pinpointing them. It's just just so crazy how polar opposite Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are as as players. You know, Locke, Locke's going to chuck it downfield. He's going to be inaccurate. We saw that in his, you know, limited action last week. He had a, a long touchdown to Tim Patrick. Um, he completed just 50% of his passes though. He lost a fumble in that limited action. Um, so it's, it's going to be more interesting, maybe more exciting to watch Denver with Drew Locke in there, but you know, I don't think the offense is going to be any better. I do think that it can only help both running backs for the Broncos be in play because yeah. they're going to want to lean heavily on the run game. We got 15 carries a piece for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon last week in the loss to the Bengals. Javante Williams remains the clear leader in passing situation. So he's the first mm-hmm. guy in, but Vegas, the third best scoring matchup for running backs. So, I mean, you can bet on Denver handing it off as much as they can. And I think we'll get double digit carries for both players. Yeah, I agree. Um, Javante Williams seems to be separating even a little bit more in terms of passing game usage. Um, 45% of their outs last week to just 26 for Melvin Gordon and Javante has six targets to just, uh, one for Melvin Gordon over the last two games now. So yeah, I think you're right. No, the carriers are going to be split pretty evenly, but um, it seems like Javante Williams will do most of the passing game work at this point. On the Raiders side, Josh Jacobs, a pretty clear play for volume given the current running back landscape. And I mean, the other big note, Darren Waller, still no practice Wednesday, even though it was a walkthrough. Yeah. So I would not be expecting Waller to play at this point. Fossil Moreau actually had a decent game last week. So he's at what? I think he's, he's at two nice games among five starts without Darren Waller. Um, Denver's been tough against tight ends though. They're second in adjusted points allowed football outsiders has them fourth in tight end coverage rankings. So I would, I would try not to use Foster Moreau. What about Zay Jones? No, I got burned betting the under on Zay Jones's yardage on uh, what was it? Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever night it was. That's, that's no fun. That was like his, the second best game of his career. I think <laughs> you're welcome. Zay Jones. I never should have <laughs> bet against you. You former second round pick. Let's move on to Washington at Dallas, unless you got something on Marcus Mariota here. Nothing. <laughs> Washington at Dallas on Sunday night, Cowboys by 10 and a half over under 47 and a half. 
And I, I'll wait before I get to the Dallas side because that's what matters. But on the Washington side, Taylor Heineke is back. I don't think it matters because the Dallas defense is playing like one of the best in the league at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think McLaurin's the only piece of this passing game you're considering. Even McLaurin has just been disappointing for a while now. I mean, even if you remove the last two weeks because, you know, last week was with Garrett Gilbert and the week before that was the first Dallas game and he left that one with a concussion. But even in the previous five games, he finishes a top 30 wide receiver in just one of those five, um, 31st in expected fantasy points over that span. So, you know, he's he's only giving getting – wide receiver three level usage. And as you said, Dallas has just, has just been a good defense um, for a while now. So um, you know, McLaurin's not someone you have to bench, but I'd, I'd consider him a wide receiver three this week. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Um, it, it would be, it would be a tough choice between Terry McLaurin and AJ green for me. That's the level he's at. Yep. Agreed. Antonio Gibson, no practice Wednesday because of a toe injury. So we're going to have to watch that. I, the Dallas defense you mentioned is tough overall. It's the third worst scoring matchup for running backs right now. And the D line just got healthy with that first Washington matchup. So even if Gibson's ready to go, it's not a great spot for him. It's not a great spot. Um, I don't know. He, you know, he, he left that game on, what was it Tuesday night with the toe injury um, was able to come back. Um, as you said, didn't practice on Wednesday. Gibson had the toe injury last December that, you know, lingered throughout almost this entire offseason. I don't, I don't know if it's the same toe or what, um, you know, he's, 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 he's not a lock to play on Sunday. I don't think on Sunday night, um, if he's outed, you know, McKissick's on IR. So I guess Jarrett Patterson would be the next guy up for Washington, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to go there. I'm glad that we have Azar Ahmed as our sideline reporter here because he reports (laughs) that Antonio Gibson did not practice today either. So thank you very much. We're gonna have to get you a microphone and toss it to you like Aaron Andrews. Love that. Yeah. So yeah, again, um, if you're, hoping to use Gibson, I'd, I'd be lining up backup options at this point. And, you know, Patterson is kind of the desperation play if you need it. Yeah. Now, I mean, it is worth noting that it was a Tuesday night game, so it's an abnormal practice week and that could be factoring into his time off, but you certainly at least have to get insurance lined up here. And if there is no Antonio Gibson in this game, there should at least be some volume for Jared Patterson. Yep. Dak Prescott, it could be <laughs> one of the toughest calls in fantasy this week. He's been terrible for fantasy for the past five weeks. Now, I think it's worth keeping in mind that he's been, he hasn't been terrible in real life. He's been okay. And that's, I think, important to note in considering Dak versus the other options here. So just looking back at the actual performances, he struggled at Kansas City, which can be a tough place to play in general for a road team. Uh, the defense also just started getting better the game before that. So it was a more difficult matchup than we realized at the time. He had no Amari Cooper. CD Lamb left that game early. So a bad spot there. And he played to it. He played awful. Shaky start against the Raiders in that Thanksgiving game, but he wound up with big numbers in that one. Just a meh performance at New Orleans, which can also be a tough place. It's also a good defense. Amari Cooper was just off the COVID list for that one. Bad at Washington in their week 14 meeting. That was a terrible performance. And that's the one that really has to worry you last week. Didn't give us numbers against the giants, but it was just kind of, you know, okay. It was short passing. Didn't get more than the one touchdown. So he didn't deliver the numbers. The, the worrisome part is that he's only been okay as a passer and that the passing game has gone short. He's been under six yards per pass attempt in three straight games and four of the past five, which also seems to be limiting the touchdown upside, just one touchdown. <laughs> in three straight games for Dak Prescott. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's really been since the, the calf injury, since he came back from that, he, just, he and the offense just hasn't looked 
as, as good as it did before that calf injury. And there's been other issues, you know, I mean, Amari Cooper missed some time. CD lamb had the concussion. Uh, Tyron Smith has missed some time. Um, I don't know, to me, to me, this just sets up as a get right spot for Dak and the Cowboys offense. They're at home at, you know, ver- versus Washington who has been okay against the run, but you know, has been bad against the pass all season. They're 27th at football outsiders, pass defense, DVOA 31st and adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. And the Cowboys have the highest implied total on the week at 28.75 points. I mean, you know, we've seen, you know, Kansas city's implied total is down this week with their issues. Tampa's is down this week with their injuries, but you know, the, the, the bookmakers are confident in Dallas's offense to score this week. Um, so yeah. And, and the other thing with Dak is like, you know, who, who's on your, your Dak team that you're considering starting over him, you know, like Taysom Hill probably was an option, but he's gone now. So unless you have, you know, I don't know, maybe Jalen hurts, you might have, you know, I'd be fine using him over Dak Prescott, but I'm not, I'm not going down to the streamers, to the Kirk cousins, to the Jimmy Garoppolo's, even to the Justin Fields to play over Dak Prescott this week. I agree. I think that Dak versus Justin Fields would be tough, but in the end, I would have to look at him and those receivers and think I'm going to be angrier if he does finally have that get right spot after I went with him in recent weeks and made it this far anyway. Uh, you know, I had all that patience and then right when I give up on him, that's when the numbers come back. That's going to bother me more than if I lose because, you know, Justin Fields outscores him. So I think I'm going to have to do that. And and that's why I point out that the real life performances haven't been terrible. It's not like he's been an awful quarterback in real life. He's just been a, just an okay quarterback. The pieces are all still there. The matchups there, even as we speak, we haven't gotten Kendall Fuller and Cameron Curl back from the COVID list. Um, Washington also waiting on other guys. They just lost linebacker Cole Holcomb to the COVID list. Landon Collins is iffy with a foot injury this week. So there are plenty of potential issues for the defense as well. It could only help the matchup. Now, Dallas on the injury front, Tyron Smith, it might be out again. So we'll have to watch that. He missed last week. The Giants had three sacks in that game. So that would certainly hurt. But I'm not sure that it dramatically alters the outlook here. Yeah, he he has been a, you know a meaningful absence. You know, Tyron Smith when he's missed time, Dallas's offense has taken a step back. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love having the the indoor games at this time of year. I mean, something we haven't even talked about yet this week is these you know all the teams that played on Tuesday are on short week versus you know the the teams they're playing against. You know, Dallas is not on a short week. You know, we we have these Thursday night games. You know, both teams are on short weeks in most cases. There's no advantage there. But I'll be curious to see how those four teams that played on Tuesday fare this weekend. Yeah. And, you know, specifically, this is Dallas on a regular week playing Washington on an abnormal short week. Not even like the kind of short week that you've done before, like Tuesday to Sunday is a weird thing. So, you know, that's worth mentioning. And, you know, when we put it all together, like the situation in the matchup would normally have Dak Prescott as like the third quarterback in our rankings for the week. He's 11th right now. So we're already factoring his recent struggles into that ranking. At some point you got to say, all right, I mean, if, if he can't do it here, why do I even have him rostered? Exactly. Elsewhere besides Dak, because there are other players in the Dallas offense, apparently. I mean, the receivers, I don't know how much they're worth talking about at this point, that you can play all of them at their appropriate levels. They saw 10, 9, and 7 targets in the first Washington meeting, 9, 5, and 5 last time. We know, you know, we know the order of them. The backfield, I think, is the other place where there are questions. Yeah, Tony Pollard back last week, and look, he looked like Tony Pollard to me, despite playing through 
that foot injury. Um, you know, Zeke stayed ahead in terms of usage, but it was pretty close. You know, 62% of the snaps for Zeke to 41% for Pollard. Uh, 16 carries for Zeke, 12 for Pollard. Zeke out-targeted Pollard, uh, four to three. Uh, now, Ze- Zeke, yeah, he still didn't look great to me in that game, but both he and the coaching staff have said this week that they think he's kind of turned a corner with that knee. And, you know, Zeke did say a few weeks ago that, you know, he thought he was, you know, a few weeks away from, you know, putting that knee issue behind him. So I do think he's trending back up. Um, again, tough individual matchup for him. You know, Washington's run D has been pretty solid, but um, I think the volume Zeke's getting and the touchdown potential he brings in this game, again, I do think that Cowboys offense is going to have success. Yeah, I mean, 16 carries and four targets in a game that they won by double digits certainly suggests that they're not too worried about his knee at this point. So, yeah, I agree. He's just he, he doesn't excite you, but he's a solid play just for the volume. Yep. And I think Tony Pollard is a fine fringe play as well. He got 12 yeah. carries, three targets last week. And we could very well get another game here where Dallas wins by a lopsided score. Yeah, Pollard was 26th among running backs and expected fantasy points last week. So you're getting borderline running back two usage out of him. And again, I, I think he looked good. It didn't seem like that foot was holding him back last week. If we have no Landon Collins for this game, that could improve the Dalton Schultz matchup. But I mean, Dalton Schultz is just kind of at his level. He won't always get the targets, but sometimes right. he will, regardless of who's healthy. Yeah, playing time's really really good. Um, 90% of the of the pass routes in two straight games for Dalton Schultz, despite you know all three of those wide receivers being healthy. Miami at New Orleans on Monday night to close out this week 16. Saints by three over under of 38 and a half. We'll see that line's probably gonna change because there is no Taysom Hill for this game. He landed on the COVID list today. Ian Book is gonna start because Trevor Simeon is also on the COVID list. Jameis Winston, of course, is on IR. Ian Book, Jared. To me, he's like a smaller, slightly slower Taysom Hill because he ran the ball well in college. He was a better passer than Taysom Hill, not the kind of passer that any NFL team is likely to trust to be their starting quarterback anytime soon. Kind of like Taysom Hill. Yeah, I didn't change like any of our projections for New Orleans pass catchers with this news. because um, I, I do think, you know, Book's probably on Taysom Hill's level as a passer. I mean, I, I, he was a, he was like a good college quarterback, not a great college quarterback, just I projections like a, as a long-term NFL backup. Like, so I don't think he's not going to, you know, blow anyone away on Monday night, but again, you said, you know, he can run a little bit, um, but I, I did end up, you know, we, we, we bumped Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram's rushing projections. I just think, you know, book books, not book is not going to steal as many carries, especially near the goal line as Taysom Hill was gonna. Um, so you know, you're, you're still avoiding the saints passing game entirely. Um, Alvin Kamara is still a starter and Mark Ingram is, you know, fringy. Um, you know, he did see more work than expected in his return last week. Um, but you know, not enough where you can really count on him as a fantasy play. Yeah. The borderline between fringy and cringy. I think you're playing Alvin Kamara <laughs> and absolutely nothing else here. I think Ian book will be interesting for like a DFS showdown, but yep. uh, there's nothing outside of Kamara that I'm giving a look in a season long fantasy league this week. It's also not a great spot for Miami. I mean, they, Vegas might just take this game off the board in, in <laughs> that the, the line can't get too low. I mean, last week's game between the saints and bucks wound up with nine total points. So I, I that's probably the appropriate over under for this one. Yeah. And on the, on the dolphin side, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to play Tua in this matchup, you know, top spot on the road against a good pass defense. Um, I would not want to mess with the backfield, you know, Duke Johnson, obviously awesome last week. It, it does sound like Gaskin was it was at least limited in part because he had just come off the COVID list. Now, I do think Duke Johnson has earned a role the rest of the way, and he might even remain the lead back going forward. But even last week, Miles Gaskin played more in the passing game. He ran more pass routes 
than Duke Johnson did. So I, I think, you know, at, at best you're going to have Duke as a lead ball carrier and New Orleans has just been super tough against the run all season. They are first in both football outsiders, run defense, DVOA and adjusted points allowed to running back. So I try to avoid uh, Duke Johnson and Miles Gaskin. Yeah, no thanks on a Miami back unless I desperately need one. Like I would play one of them over probably one of the Jets running backs, but that's the level where I'm thinking about it. And like Rex Burkhead, that's it's that's the kind of territory where I think these guys make sense. Yeah, I'd play Michael Carter over both these guys. I'd 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 play Rex Burkhead over both Dolphins backs too. <laughs> this is a gross discussion. So we're gonna yeah. go to the pass catchers to end this. We do have Jalen Waddle back, right? Or is he off the COVID list yet? Yes, he is off the COVID list as of either Tuesday or Wednesday. So he'll be back. Um, yeah, it was awesome in his previous five games, 9.2 targets, 7.6 catches, 87 yards. A lot of that came without Devontae Parker, but even in Waddle's last game, Parker was back for that game and Waddle still saw 11 targets. I, I just think he he's just earned the number one wide receiver spot here. And he obviously has the chemistry with Tua going back to their Alabama days. So I, I expect Waddle to go back to leading this team in targets. And he also gets the better individual matchup than Devontae Parker in this game. Parker should draw lots of Marshawn Lattimore on the outside, whereas the matchup will be nothing scary for Waddle, mostly inside. I do still think that Devontae Parker's in the wide receiver three mix, you know, low yeah. wide receiver three territory, but Marshawn Lattimore is not, he's not a definite that your lead receiver is not going to produce this week. They characterized it well on um, what was it Sunday night or Monday night that they played this week? I, I lost Sunday. track of the days. So that, that must yep. be why it sounded good because the Monday night crew is terrible. <laughs> um, but they characterize it well in that Marshawn Lattimore is a boom bust cover guy where he makes, he tries so hard to make plays to break up passes that he'll, he's either going to break it up or he's going to give up a big play. So I think when he's playing somebody like Devonte Parker, who is a tough size, athleticism, speed matchup mm -hmm. does match Marshawn Lattimore in, in talent. I don't think that you need to bench Devontae Parker for this matchup. Yeah, downgrade him, but you know he's not a must bench. I, like you said, I think Parker's talented enough to win his fair share of that matchup. He's also seen uh, seven-plus targets in six of his seven games this season. The only game he didn't was his first game off the extended absence, and he saw five targets in that game. So you know the volume's been pretty steady for Parker. And he's caught at least four balls in every game this year. So I, he's not somebody that I would sit for Braxton Berrios, even if Jameson Crowder's <laughs> not playing this week. God, uh, God no. I'll mention Mike Gusecki too. You look at the Saints matchup and it's been negative for tight ends, but this is where it's important to remember Mike Gusecki's not a tight end. He's a slot receiver. So if he is individually matched with Malcolm Jenkins, he's going to be a tougher cover than most tight ends are for Jenkins because yeah. he's taller, because he's faster than most guys who play that position. Malcolm Jenkins is getting up there. He's a good player, but he's not a great individual matchup. And frankly, there's no other corner besides Marshawn Lattimore in this defense that you know, looks scary for it. Marcus Williams, their other safety is a good player, is a talented cover guy. But, you know, in general, this is not a, a matchup that I would ultimately downgrade Gasicki for because he is more receiver than tight end. Yep, exactly. Um, 9% of Gasicki's snaps have come in line this season. So, you know, he's, he's a wide receiver that we get to play at the tight end spot. Anything else from that game? Nope. That's going to do it for this week 16 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our full week 16 rankings to help you finalize all your lineup decisions. The site, it's loaded. We've got customizable features everywhere to help you make those decisions and set your best lineup for the fantasy playoffs. If you still have that one question or two that you just, it's eating you up and you need somebody to confirm or change your mind on it, Come join the free Draft Sharks Discord. We've got folks, including us, waiting to answer those questions. There's a link to join the Discord 
in the description for this podcast. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Chow saying thanks so much for sending with us.